be or not to be. Faithless is he that says farewell in the road dark. Do what is meaningful and not what is expedient. That is the question. Bros before bros. Welcome to the Pros Before Bros podcast. I am Kenny Chesser. With me as always, my co-host, James Crocker. James, what's good, man? I'll tell you what's good. <laughs> uh, about the time that this episode is going to air, I will be getting ready to go on a trip that I look forward to all year long. Come on, man. Um, a bunch of guys from the church. Uh, we we ride horses. Yeah. Something we do. Uh, you're not one of those guys. You wrote, you wrote a song all about it. I don't know if the podcast <laughs> listeners are familiar with that song. Right. but Probably not this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. But anyway, so, uh, and we all get together once a year in the spring uh, on the our kids' spring break, which which is going to be uh, March tenth uh, through the twelfth is the yeah. trip this year, which will be right after this podcast airs. Uh, and we're going this year. We're going to Jamestown, Tennessee, and we're going to nice. ride in the uh, Big South Fork National Recreation Area. That's and, awesome, and we are looking forward to it. Actually, I think I had a hand in planning this trip because it's my friends, uh, the two groups of cowboys that I connected last year for that roundup, which was the origins of my country song that I wrote. I, uh, I, they had been on a ride in Jamestown, and I remember uh, B was telling me about it, and I told Bishop and Corey about it, and they were like, "Man, we need to check that out." And I think they started looking up, and it's, right. it looks like a pretty awesome place. Yeah, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a great time. I think so. Here's here's my problem with y'all's trail rides. <laughs> every year y'all come back and tell me that I missed out and I should have been on it. But every year y'all have near death experiences. <laughs> and they're like, "We almost died. You should, should have, have been, been there. Right? You, you would have been. died. Yeah. You would have died." Kid. And that's my point. Is like I'm the most inexperienced rider. I don't need to be on the near death <laughs> trail rides. I need to be on the the horse carousel out in front of Walmart. That's my level of riding. And so every time y'all come, didn't you almost get strangled by a, like a uh, some briars last time? Or? Uh, that was three years ago. But yeah. yes, like I was on a new horse that I had just gotten. Uh, he we hadn't done a lot of trail riding on him. He was he was a little jumpy, and uh, so we were on this little tight trail, and uh, a horse come up behind me, and so he kind of jumped to the side, and when he did, he stepped in some briars and got his leg mm-hmm. caught in the briars. Well, that scared him, and of course, he thought the only way to go is forward, and so you know, forget about this guy on my back. <laughs> <laughs> so he just runs through this thicket of briars, and it just like caught my neck, and mm. you know, looked like I'd been had a Terrible shaving accident. Yeah, right, right. And these are the stories that keep me from going. <laughs> Ain't at the same time where, um, was it, uh, was it uh, a Topher that was on top of his horse and it was going down? Yeah, steep, rocky down slope on a hill. You yeah, there's big rocks and the horses are having a tough time right. finding their footing going down. And so he he stumbles and he's down low to the ground and his, his so dad. No, the horse actually stumbled and, and fell down. Like right. the horse fell down. He's like laying on the ground. Right. And, and and this is a teenage... At the time, I think he was uh, 15. Okay. And so 15, his dad 16, is yelling at like him, right? So his dad is there. And, you know, his dad's just this gruff dude. Right. And he's like, better get off of him, son. Yeah. Like he's telling him to bail. <laughs> he's saying, you know, because, he, you know, he's thinking this horse is going to fall down. He's go, he's fixing to try to roll over. You're right. going to get caught under yeah. him. You know, something bad's going to happen. He's like, he's just saying, you better get off of him, son. And so then the horse just, just struggles and stands back up. Right. And as soon as the horse stood up, 
Christian just dove straight off of him. <laughs> and, and his dad, Bud, goes, not now. Not, not now, son. I met while he was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, horses aren't short. You know, that's, that's a pretty good uh, fall from an upright horse. That is funny. And again, reason number two why I, <laughs> I don't need to be on them, horse, them, them trail rides with, those, those, uh, with you guys. So, Well, I hope you guys are having a great time if we're recording this while you're out there or uh, before y'all go. Um, we're actually going to do another roundup, uh, I think, come April. So I want to try to get the dates for that. I actually had some guys at the church asking me about that. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time there. I might get on a horse down there. Usually, though, I'm I'm running the vaccination station over there. we got to uh, get these horses injected, or these cows injected, not horses. But um, So that's that sounds really, really good. Let's talk about books right now. Do you want to start with your book, or do you want me to go into mine um, tonight? You go with yours first this time. Okay. My book is right up your alley because you love these these style books, and I do too. Uh, you read a lot more of them than I do, um, but I was on a roof a couple weeks ago, and uh, I needed something, and I started reading something, and as soon as uh, I started um, going through this book, the name of the book is Drive. It's by an author named Daniel Pink, and as soon as I started going through this book, I immediately was like, I'm not going to be able to listen to this on this roof because I'm going to be pausing every couple minutes just to write something down, and, uh, and actually, I I think one day I listened to a little bit and I stopped it. The next day I was working by myself and I had a little more liberty to, <laughs> to pause when I wanted to. And I remember writing and I took so many notes. It, I eventually turned it into a... Um, a session, I guess you would say, we do a, a, a development uh, night for uh, volunteers at our church, and it was so interesting to me, and I saw the spiritual applications, and so I turned it into a session for motivation. The idea of the book is that we that 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 the scientific community knew of at least two drives that right. humans have, and these drives informed a lot of the science about why people do what people do, and uh, the whole idea was during this experiment with these uh, monkeys. This doctor's name was H.F. Harlow. He had uh, these Reese's monkeys, and he started trying to get them to figure out a puzzle. And so he was going to introduce outside... uh, forces, you know, carrot and stick type uh, thinking, and uh, and before he could get it all set up, these monkeys started doing these puzzles because they liked and doing the puzzles, and there was no seemingly no motivation for them to do it. S- some of the drives that they already uh, knew about was the biological drives, like you know, you have a drive for food, you got a drive for water, you got a drive for sex, sex drive, and so they're like, I don't know how they exactly where they're going to manipulate the monkeys for that, but then they also they have uh, extrinsic drives, you know, the things of motivation like carrot and stick type thing, if this then that, or you know, we'll, we'll reward you for that. Uh, but it turned out the monkeys, they just like doing puzzles. <laughs> and nobody had considered the third drive was, you know, doing it for the sake of doing it. So I thought it was absolutely fantastic um, book. What are your initial thoughts? I know that well, I, now, I, so I was in the session that you taught at the church on right. this book. And so I immediately put this book on my list for Libby. So, so between that time and now the book has came in, it was a couple of weeks ago. And I have actually gone through this book, and I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Awesome. I thought when I read it, I was like, this is a James book. I knew I was going to talk about it on the podcast. I didn't know if I was going to be able to talk about it before you read it or not. So I'm glad you've read it because we can actually have a really good right. conversation th- about this it. This is actually the second book by Daniel Pink that I've, re- that I've read. Uh, another one was called When. That and was him that did you, when? Yes. Okay. Just talked about the timing of, of when you make moves right, and when you do right, things. Right, 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 right. Was he thinking fast and slow, or no, was that no. Kahneman? Uh, Kahneman was thinking fast okay, and slow. Yeah. Which, I get these which guys Con- confused. When you read a lot of these social sciences, one thing I've noticed, all of these guys reference Kahneman. Yeah. Kahneman is like the godfather 
of right. social science. Like yeah. every, everybody references his books, and and I can understand why because when you read his book, like he goes on and he's on. he's one of those belabor the point on. guys. Yes. And that's honestly one thing I liked about Pink was I didn't at any time feel like it was. A, he probably, he, I mean, he obviously there were themes that he covered over and over, but I never thought that he was just driving it. You know, being a dead horse. He really, really had. It was good pacing. I enjoyed it. You know, one one thing is I was reading this book. Uh, you know, what I do for a living, I'm a teacher Mm -hmm. and a coach. And so as I was reading this book and and hearing, you know, going over some of the points he was making, I'm, I'm saying, man, that that's true. Right. You know, I see that in practice, you know, in, in my classroom and, and with, with the athletes that I'm coaching, I see that, that, you know, the motivation you can, you can have the carrot out there and you can have the stick, but until they just catch on to it, until that motivation comes from From within, from within, you know, then, then then that's when they actually continue to do it in the absence right. of external motivation. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's intrinsic. It comes from within. Um, it's an intrinsic reward, too. It's not just like they got to do it because they won't survive like food or, you know, with, you know, and then you get the psychology of the sex drive. Obviously, you if you have this very Darwinian, you know, procreate, survival of the, you know, whatever you want to say there. But it turns out it was none of that. And what I liked about the the researching, and one thing Pink said was this should have been groundbreaking, but in the 50s it wasn't. Like, it was kind of like shelved until they came right. on. Right, and, and what, what, he, what he, you know, I think he used the terminology motivation 1.0, 2.0, right. 3.0 right. for these different things. And, and he talked about how our society is built to function, all, and our corporate world and all these businesses are built to function on 2.0, right. which is the carrot and stick Right, the, re- the punishment and rewards. Yes. You know, and I really like those studies. Um, I thought some of the examples that he used were absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite examples was the Microsoft Encarta versus, yes. uh, he says when Microsoft decided to do like a encyclopedia, man, they put like the best minds on it, the best developers on it, all these great coders, and like so they were like, man, we're going to really, you know, drive this thing home. So they had this very corporate mindset of putting together this online encyclopedia. And at the same time they were starting wikipedia and wikipedia was completely crowdsourced well, nobody well, the, was the paid is, what i liked about the way he he did it in the book was he said if you had to pick a winner right exactly if you right. had to pick a winner and these are the two competitors right You've got the multi-million dollar billion dollar corporation with the best engineers the best scientists yeah flipping and, you know, bill gates you know yes, uh, you are, know over they're, the- they're going to put this together and then you're going to have a Free crowdsourced. Right, right. <laughs> which which winner are you picking? Exactly. And the fact is Wikipedia dominates. And Encarta's not even a thing anymore. You know, it's that thing that, you know, but what what they what they pointed out was the guys that were working on Wikipedia was doing it in their spare time. And they was doing it because they wanted to do it. And I thought that was great. I like the concept of row results-oriented uh, working, you know, where it's like, it, and there were some, some CEOs of some companies like had this idea. It's like, what if we didn't say you got to be nine to five and you you don't you you, you got to work on this team if and, and he went through the reasons why it's like if people can choose who they work with and choose their hours you'll see that the results are actually better than like a nine to five cubicle you know dry you know you think I think of really like office work that movie you know I got the guy you know yeah. standing over there with a cup of coffee and going mm, you know it'd really be great right. if I could get this yeah. exactly mm, okay you know and but you get you free people up and they say that you get better results if it's results they call it row works uh, spaces or results oriented or something like that work and 
I was like, man, honestly, and I find that sometimes, in, in, in especially with creative tasks, and that's something else that they said with algorithmic tasks, it's good. Like, you know, punishment reward is very good with mindless tasks. That that works good. But like for heuristic work, when it comes to creativity or whatever, it actually stifles creativity, that you can free someone up to do do more of that by just putting hands off. I'm like, look, we're, you know, bring us a good idea. You know, and, and what was the company? Was it Google? Google, or, yes. Yeah. And, and I had come across that in another book. I don't remember which book it was, but I had come across that same concept where Google has their, and of course he mentioned a few different companies, so I may be uh, kind of conflating which one called yep. it what, but some, it was the 20% right. rule uh, where they had to spend 20% of their time working on their projects that whatever they wanted to work on, right. not what they were assigned to just exactly. something else they wanted to. And they could pick who they did it with. Yes. Yeah. Pick your team, which he did. You know, one thing that pink talked about in this book was the different types of autonomy yeah. uh, that, that helped that people want to have, you know, autonomy of your team, autonomy of your tasks, right. uh, those types of things. But some of Google's biggest successes came out of that 20% time. Absolutely. I think they said Gmail uh, was a, was a project that came out of that mm-hmm. 20% time. Uh, it, Seems like maybe the Google Play Store might have also been something that came in, you know, just big time things Absolutely. that made, you know, tons of money for the company. And people were doing it because they wanted to work on it or they were like finding like areas of like the the company that they wanted to work better. And so they had 20 percent of that time working on that. I just I thought it was great. It's very uh, like a paradigm shifting um, managerial. Uh, if you're in, if you're in management, or you're a teacher, or you're any type of authority, whatever, it really shows you like people. Yeah, like I said, it you know those motivations 1.0 and 2.0 they work well in certain things, but man, in certain cases, man, get your hands off of them and let them surprise you on on some of that like, what they can like do. There was one company he talked about. Don't remember which company it was, but they had something called FedEx Fridays, mm-hmm. and and you could spend your time working on on a project you wanted to. But uh, on Friday, you had to deliver. Uh, you had to deliver. You, you had to right. deliver. You know, you had to do a presentation. Do something. You had to do something. You right. had to show what you'd been working on. Yeah. I have found that, uh, like, the things that I feel like I'm, I have to do, and the thing is, like, we got to be serious. There are things in life you have to do. There are things that you do to pay the bills. That, that's what you got to do. Hopefully, you've chosen a career path that you enjoy doing as well. But I have found that I am way more productive on the things that I am just motivated to do. And what was the two things? This has been about a month ago since I read it, but it was like the X-type people and the I-type people. Yes. That was, I thought that was very interesting in the book. It talked about how like, the overachiever society, um, like Oprah, and even Donald Trump, they were uh, he just juxtaposed them being X and I uh, about doing it just for the love of what they're doing and not trying to gain a competitive edge, not trying to build whatever. Uh, I thought that was I thought was really really good. And even like stuff with the podcast, when I'm doing like podcast stuff, um, I find like my drive to do it. It's like I don't get I don't get rewarded. Obviously, we don't get paid for this. Right. We don't have uh, advertisers. We're not you know we're not taking any type of uh, uh, check or whatever. But I've, I have a drive to do this the the actual doing it is the reward right and i'm gonna tell you that drives my my type type x wife crazy <laughs> <laughs> not my ex-wife my type x my my extrinsically motivated she is bring that home type. The bacon type wife you know you need to be breaking some money this podcast ain't making you no money yes but i am i am internally rewarded <laughs> right right it's the and, task and again like i said last time she don't listen to the podcast right. so I just love the fact that you accidentally said she's a type. She's like an ex-wife. 
Because <laughs> I, I didn't think about it. Even when you said it, that's that's really, really good. Okay, so anyway, that's my, I would say, the worth the read. I would say anybody, especially in people that are involved in management, if you have, that you have to be over people. Um, obviously, they're, you, you're going to be, you're going to have management over you, most likely, unless you're a CEO of the company. I don't know how many CEOs we got there listening to Pros Bros, but I know that we if have you some. Are, we would take sponsors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so true. Um, but so um, I would say the takeaway, especially in people in those fields, or if you're in any type of leadership, uh, well, like James said, even coaching, teaching, if you're on a staff at a church and you've got teams that work under you, I think it's worth the read because it shows you the psyche that, uh, that gets people uh, to do things and how you can really free them up, especially with a heuristic task of creativity, especially in ministry. You would get a lot of that going on in church, some ideas and, and things of that nature. So, so definitely say worth the read. I enjoyed reading it. Even if you aren't in those positions, even to, to see what motivates people in your life with your relationships, I thought it was incredible. Daniel Pink, Drive. I give it a big two thumbs up. I think everybody should read it. All right. What do you got for us? All right. So the book that I was going to talk about today is a book I read a few weeks ago. It is called The Data Detective, 10 Easy Rules to Make Sense of Statistics by Tim Hartford. Awesome. Or Harford. I'm sorry. Uh, Now, I wasn't sure what I was going to get into with this book, but I do know I love statistics, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to go through statistics and, and pick out where the truth lies. One thing that I found was interesting, um, and it's how he started out the book, is he referenced another book uh, that, that was written several years ago called How to Lie with Statistics. <laughs> right. Because the old saying, and this is a, a G-rated program, but there are three types of lies. There's lies dang lies and statistics. Right. Right. And, and so, so what he's saying is that a lot of people have that negative connotation with statistics. Right. They're like, you know, basically you can make whatever points you want to make with statistics. Right. You know, two people can take the same statistics and make opposite arguments. Man, I wish I would have known. What was that? I read a book recently. Was it it, it wasn't drive, but in my mind, I've got it earmarked as it was around that because I was on a scissors lift when doing insulation in this factory. Um, and somebody made the comment that there was a, job, a guy being jo- interviewed for a job, and the job was like for an accountant position. And like they had like narrowed it down to uh, like two or three guys, and they called the manager in. And it's like, all right, I want you to look at these numbers and tell me what they are. And so one of the guys, like, uh, it was like bad. And he's like, this is really bad for the company. Like, oh, you ain't got the job. And the next guy comes in and is like, this is really, really good for them. And he's like, oh, I don't want that either. And you fired, and the next guy comes in. He goes, he goes. I want you to look at these numbers, and 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 want you to tell me, you know, give me the honest truth. And the guy was like, "What do you want these numbers to say?" And the guy's like, "You're hired." <laughs> so it like, sounds kind of like the same yes, thing. With this statistics. is the kind of guy that I can do, <laughs> right? And so, so basically, what the 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 purpose of this book is is how to make sense of statistics for yourself, right? And and not just to believe what you're being told just because somebody uses statistics. Because, you know, there's a quote that I use all the time with my students and with my kids is that, you know, a lie is 75% more believable if you add a statistic to it. Right. Now, and they're like, is that true? And I'm like, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> That's so good. That's a very meta comment. My wife, who doesn't listen to the podcast either, <laughs> terrible, terribly supportive. Well, I'm kidding. My wife, I, uh, she's, she's awesome. Um, but she, I used to accuse her all the time. She would make up statistics on the fly. And I would challenge, she like, she stopped doing it now because I challenge every one of them. She's like, babe, like 80% of the time, I'm like, really? Do you have that in a chart that I could look at? I, I really doubt the veracity of this claim. So, so anyway. Anyway, so anyway, so you say so, so he, he breaks it down. He's got ten rules. Yeah, you know, each chapter is one of the rules. 
of, of how to make sure you're you're getting to the truth of, of the statistics. And, okay. and if they're really saying what, like when you read an article that has statistics in it, or you read a study that has some statistics in it, are, are they really telling you the truth okay. about what these statistics are? So these say? 10 chapters are like basically like levels of filtration or levels yes. of like uh, guidance? Yes. Okay. And, and I won't go through all 10, but, yeah. but there was a couple that I thought were pretty good for discussion, especially considering the time that we're in with social media. Okay. Because you get on Twitter and there's people throwing statistics out. Left and right. And people are experts on everything, right. which I love the memes this week that, you know, I'm no longer a, uh, an expert on vaccines. I am now an expert on Ukrainian policy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you never like it's. So, and so it, what's 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 good about this, which, you know, this is going to be two weeks from now, so Lord knows what's going to happen between now and then. But with information that's being thrown around nowadays, bro, it's, there's really no clear-cut way, because even the credible sources have been found out to lie and lie with numbers. And it's the same study people will lie about with different things. The same map on this war, it's like this person says this. Right. And so, so what are the... So just, I won't go through all of it, but here's a couple that stood out for me. Uh, which one I thought this was just an, an interesting play on words was uh, avoid premature enumeration. Okay. What he's talking about with this rule is don't draw a conclusion on incomplete data. Okay. You know, because, and that's what a lot of people, you know, with a study that they get a little bit of data in, it meets, makes the point they want to make and they say, okay, we're going to stop counting right there. Right. You know, in, instead of counting everything right you know get, let all the numbers come in before you you know make say this is what the data says it's a good point okay and another thing uh was ask who's missing like but, from the from, from the, the study from the study yeah, yeah because a lot of times you can read a study and and they they say well this this is what we tested and this is the result that we got yeah and if you go and you actually open up the study look at it you're like well where are all of the men right. in this study? You know, yeah. where are all of the people from this age bracket? Where Where's all of this in this study? Does it kind of it puts a callback into my mind? I did a, a podcast on the other podcast about a Simpsons paradox. Does he get into like statistical um, anomalies in the book at all? Because Simpsons paradox talked about yes, when you're yes, charting yes, numbers. Yes, he does. It like it shows like you can be charting and it shows a trend like in a downward trend, but if you don't like realize that he's charting two different bits of data or two different groups, it actually says the opposite. It's called Simpsons paradox, and you can look that up out there if you're just now hearing that. But they, there was a lot of this during COVID, during the pandemic. It was showing like, now see these numbers right here show this. And it's like, well, this is Simpson paradox because it's it's actually two different groups that you're charting right. like with with the age of people like that are suffering from COVID. But it was showing that this, but it's actually it literally says the exact opposite if you if you like control for age or something like that. Right. Which I'll tell you one thing that <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that I've always tried to do, especially in this COVID with all this data, I don't just want to read a tweet and then just share it and say, look at this. This is this is the way it is. Right. I want to not just even go and read the article. I want to read the study. Yeah. That the art that the article is based on, yeah. Because I feel like I have an ability to to read a study, interpret it, see if I agree with this data, right? You know, and that that's something I did even before reading this book. But yeah. that that's kind of the thing that he is advocating for here. It's like don't just believe something is the statistic is what it is because somebody reported it in an article, right? You know, go to the source, primary read, source. You know, read the study. I agree with that. I also agree. One thing that I do, and I, I do all those things. Another step that I take sometimes is I make sure to read somebody who disagrees with it. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if they're published, you know what I'm saying? Not just some troll in the comment section, but maybe like another scientist, like this, this is not what this study is saying. And this is why that way, at least I have like some counterbalance. I'm like, okay, I see the merits of both yeah. and how, but yeah, that's good. And, and so here's another, another rule that I really liked. It said, don't take statistical bedrock for granted. Okay. And, and so, you know, a lot of times, you know, don't just assume that because they said, okay, this is where we started, you know, that may not actually be true. Right. You may not be starting from a true premise. That's really good. In a lot of cases. So don't don't just assume because somebody says, hey, this is where it starts. Don't assume that's where it starts. Don't yeah. assume that your your assumptions to begin with. Does he are, are give true. like real life examples? He does. Okay. Do you remember um, on, you don't have to own this specific one, but any of these rules, like in context, any like stories that stand out and like, man, that was a really good point when that study you would walk away from those numbers thinking a completely different picture of what it actually was saying. Is there anything like that I, I, jumps I, out? I don't have any jumping right out to my mind, but I will say there's a lot of that. That yeah. that's basically what this book is. Yeah. This book is just giving examples and examples and examples for each of his rules. Uh, he gives examples of how that rule is, why that rule is important, right. and how you, how you can miss the point if you don't follow this rule when you're yeah. evaluating these statistics. Now, another one that 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 uh, uses a, a buzzword for for today is that misinformation can be beautiful too. Yeah, and what he's talking about here is charts. And, and pictograms and yeah. graphics. Infographics. Infographics, like yeah. yes, because you can take those and you can make them look awesome. Right. And they can be absolutely false. That's 100% correct. Right. Um, <clears throat> let me see if there was any other of his rules I wanted to touch on. Uh, and, you know, just some general stuff, you know, keep an open mind, you know, always be curious uh, of and, and don't just assume things are true. You know, yeah. always be curious, ask questions, you know, those types of things. I like it. What is what did you say the name of the, uh, the author was? Uh, the name of the author is Tim Harford. He he was a uh, British guy, and so a lot of his examples are uh, from British statistics. Yeah, that's one thing that was a little bit different. You know, you know, most of the stuff I read is you know from an American perspective, and he actually does a lot of American examples. But you know, to him, he's talking about it as if it's a foreign country, right? But, That's interesting. I haven't heard any. I, I don't think I've ever heard his name before. Right, right and now. I never had either. I had never heard of this book. Um, it, I found this just on doing a search. I was just yep. searching. You know, I put a couple of parameters in uh, to try to find some stuff. I, I didn't have anything in my queue. I had, had some stuff on hold, but nothing was coming in. And of course, this book, you know, was available now. And yep. so I just said, "Yeah, that sounds like it might be interesting." Okay, let me ask. So, so we're 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 getting near the episode here. Let's let's hit our our classic questions. Number one: Is it? Do you recommend it? Or and if if so, who to? I would say if you enjoy statistics mm -hmm. and, and you enjoy that type of thing, it might be an enjoyable read for you. Wouldn't recommend it for everybody um, because they might find it monotonous, boring, uh, kind of like I find a lot of biographies right. that I try to read. <laughs> what was the runtime on it? On the, if you listen to audio, what was the runtime? Do you remember? Was it less than 10 hours? I want to say, I don't remember right off the top of my head. I know the page count is 334 okay. on, for the written copy. That's probably going to, yeah. So I think that's probably going to put it in the 8 to yeah, probably eight 10 to nine. hour yeah. range. That's, that, that sounds good, depending on the cadence and the speed of the the, the, the narrator there. Okay. Um, so that's you would recommend it to a very small. Uh, I, I would recommend it to a very small. Um, so statistically speaking, probably 20, 15% of audience. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> well, but I did. I did enjoy it. I, I'm trying to remember. I think I may have rated it a four. Yeah. On uh, 
Okay, so now that we're there, we answered that question. So you say definitely read, uh, recommend for some if you like numbers. So what is the worth the read? Uh, the the worth the read is is he gives you a good outline of of how to interpret statistics to make sure that you're getting to the truth of what the numbers actually say. Yeah, and and not being swayed one way or the other by someone's bias. Okay. I like it. It sounds like it, especially in the day and age that we live in right now, when numbers are thrown around. And like I said, people taking the same study and saying these numbers say this, when the other guy says, "No, these numbers actually don't say that. It says this." Um, I think it's pretty, you know, pretty uh, valuable to be able to take those tools and apply them. So, okay, let me ask you this: Is it pretty accessible to the layman, or do you feel like the, somebody will have to have a pretty, uh, like, like a basic knowledge of statistics? Or I think it's fairly accessible. Okay, I think if if you find other social science type books accessible. It doesn't use any more complex language than, than one of those books. Would. So it, he covers his bases going in. Yeah. Uh, okay. That sounds good. Um, well, Thank you for listening to the Pros Before Bros podcast. We encourage everyone that's listening right now to leave us a review and maybe share an episode with uh, some of your friends or family. Um, we, I just personally, Kenny here, uh, just realized uh, recently that you can actually rate us on uh, on Spotify now. Uh, you click on the three dots up on the right screen on my phone. It's on the right top right corner, uh, and you can rate shows there. I'm sure that improves our visibility. We'd like for you to do that. Also, with the Apple, uh, you can rate there and leave reviews. We've got some great reviews coming out shout out to missionary ryan marshall who's been enjoying um the the podcast he also has a podcast himself called coffee with a missionary and uh, i recommend people check that out as well thank you for listening and god bless (laughs) (laughs) didn't really think that one through did you buddy (laughs) i don't know i don't know how much of this is going to stay on the podcast (laughs) but anyway let me go to a different room. <laughs> <laughs>